Good morning, Harlem. Let's thank our worship team once again. These guys work hard every Sunday and every midweek and in between to get themselves ready for, for us to uh, connect with God and connect with each other. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Uh, we are focused, switching our focus from prayer to Bible study this month, the next discipline. And uh, I just want to start us off with a little, actually we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today, so I hope you... I hope you give your, uh, your fingers a little break or whatever. You got them worked up. So all the texting we do, we sh- our fingers should be uh, strong enough to flick through the pages, right? So let's go to God in prayer. Our awesome Father, we want to come before you and just thank you for uh, giving us another day of life. Uh, Father, for uh, blessing us with uh, warm clothes and shoes on our feet, God. For those of us who drove here, God, we thank you for giving us a means of transportation, and uh, just just this morning, getting ready to come to church and, and, and watching the news and seeing this uh, woman who hasn't had heat in her apartment all week, uh, winter, God, it's just really, uh, it just really uh, just breaks my heart, Father, that there are people out there who are uh, not able to uh, just take advantage of the things we sometimes take for granted, God, and and I just pray at this time, Father, that you really help our hearts to fall in love with you, to fall in love with all the things that's important to you, God, and especially your word. As we make this transition from prayer, help us to not uh, give up on the practice of prayer, but to continue on and just add this, uh, this discipline to our lives and our character. And I pray that I can uh, inspire us and, and encourage us in the right direction. We love and thank you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we begin to dive into the next spiritual discipline, uh, which is Bible study. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. I love this passage. Colossians 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is one of my favorite passages And I thought, hey, why try to come up with a creative title? Let's just go with the scripture. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word dwell simply means to live in a protected place, a secure place. So, in fact, Paul is telling the the Colossian church to let God's word rest, reside Live in the comforts of your heart. And therefore, when you're ready to share it and when you're ready to give it, it will be in a place that's you const- that you're constantly under the influence of God's word. Uh, you know, that's going to take daily commitment. Because there's not a whole lot of things, you know, that tends to stick sometimes. And we need constant repetition. We need constant uh, uh working at to keep things, uh, you know, to keep improving on the things that we want to see change in our lives. And Bible study is something that you got to really be devoted to. you got to really be committed to. And it can absolutely happen uh, if we stick to it. So I want to focus mostly today on why. Why should we read our Bibles? I know you're thinking, well, James, isn't it obvious? I'm a Christian. So of course I should read my Bible, right? You would think that that would be the case. But let's, 
Let's let the Bible really help us to develop a conviction on why I need to be in my Bible, why I need to study, why is this discipline important for me. And so let's start off here. We've got a lot of scripture to look at. We may not get through the whole thing today, but I promise you we'll get through it at some point. Psalm 119, verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Hear the songwriter use this word hidden, not like hidden so that no one will see it or hide it under the bed, but to keep it in a safe place like a vault in my heart because it's so precious, it's so valuable. I'm going to keep it in my heart so that I might not sin against you. You know, when we want to work on the things in our lives or work on the things in our character that, that are not spiritual, that are not godly things, we've got to have something to help us do that. And we need God's word. You know, we've got to use God's word to help us to not sin against him. Because naturally, we do what comes naturally for us. And it's not always good. It's not always good. What do you, what are your temptations when you're angry? Is it to hug that person that made you angry? Is it to send them a thank you card for making, for bringing that anger out of you? No. There's some things you want to say. There's some things you want to do. But there's something that keeps you from going there. There's something that keeps you from crossing that line. It's God's word. It should keep us from crossing the line. Because once you cross some lines, it's not always easy to come back. So we need something that will get in the way, get in between us, sort of like, whoa, 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 don't go there. All right? You you make Jesus Lord. Okay? Remember that. We need to fill ourselves up with God's word because it's like a barrier keeping us from engaging in sinful act. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11. says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not equated with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Brother James, why should I read my Bible? Because some of us still have a hard time distinguishing good from evil. Simple as that. The Bible says here that by constant use, they've become mature. They've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Let's be honest, God. It's not always easy to determine what's good and what's evil. Sometimes things are fuzzy, especially in today's society, you know, where the things that we once understood was not good. Now people are like, no, this is very good. And in fact, if you don't believe it's good, there's something wrong with you. When you're not in your Bible, your convictions can. So right here, the Hebrew writer is saying, hey, if you want to mature, the only way to do it. It's by constant use, training yourself to know right from wrong, good from evil. Evil's not always going to come up and say, hey, I'm evil. The Bible says that 
There are demons that masquerade around like angels of light. So even the very elect will be fooled. So we need to know our Bibles well enough to be able to say, eh, something's not right about that. Because that doesn't, go with, that doesn't go with this other scripture I read. And so there's something wrong here. But the only way you'll be able to know the difference is you've got to be in your word. If every member in our fellowship meditated on God's word daily, we would be a much stronger church. There's no doubt in my mind. But why must this be a priority? Well, because there are a lot of obstacles that keep us from being in our word. This is why we have to really work hard at this, because there's so many obstacles. We're busy, right? My wife and I, we sit down, we we plan out our week, and we're like, okay, well, what do you got on Monday? Well, what do you got on Tuesday? Okay, who's going to pick up the kids? Who's going to take them to this? Who's going to get them from this? Can you pick them up because I got to get with this sister? Can you do this because I got to get with this brother? Can you do And, you know, you go through your week, it's like, okay, if you don't, if you're not deliberate, about prioritizing time with God in there, you can, and it's not that you're evil, it's not that you, you don't want to, it's just that you're just busy. Your life is full of stuff. And God can get easily squeezed out if we're not careful. And so because of all these obstacles, because of all the, all the obstacles, we have to prioritize this. Sometimes we make excuses. Let's be honest. Right? Sometimes we just make excuses. I'm tired. Or I don't really know where to go in my Bible. Or I don't really understand a lot in my Bible. Okay, well, then you ask questions. Or, you know, the Bible's just not, I'm not a bit, I'm not a, I'm not a reader. (laughs) It's a big excuse. I mean, come on, like, you know, I understand you may not read novels or you may not, you know, you may not read an encyclopedia or something, but we're talking about something that's going to save your life. We're talking about something you committed to leave living according to. So if you don't know what's in it, then come on. And look, God has even blessed us with technology. So there's no excuse. You got Bible apps that will read the Bible to you. And you know who I think designed that app? Somebody who doesn't like to read. So you know what? Can we just put a feature in there that, you know, I want to hear the Bible when I'm driving. Yeah. I mean, but look, if that's what you need, then that's what you need. You know, that's fine. But don't make excuses for yourself. Because you'll never grow, right? Some of us would rather rely on our gut feelings than really going in the scriptures and searching out the will of God. No, I just feel strongly about this. And so that's what I'm going to go with. And we don't really get into the word. And so laziness starts to set into our heart, and we start to rely more on our feelings, more on our gut, than we rely on God's wisdom. Another obstacle is we would rather rely on what's comfortable and convenient. Sometimes it's easier to just ask people what they think than searching it out for yourself. It's a lot easier for somebody, you know, some of us have issues with control, but some of us prefer control. Because it's a lot easier for somebody to tell you to do something rather than really getting in there and developing a conviction yourself.
I don't want to have to think about how, when to read and what to read and how to search for this. I mean, just tell me what to read. Just tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. You know, I mean, if you're in a relationship and, and if that's all you want and you're in a relationship and you're married and, and your wife is like, you know, I, I want us to talk more. Just, just tell me what to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Well, aren't you interested in me? Is there anything you want to know? Like, how's my day? If I have to tell you, then it's not really coming from a sincere place. And so God doesn't want to have that kind of relationship with you. God wants you to desire to know him. He doesn't want you to come to church every week and have a preacher tell you, read your Bible. God is like, well, what kind of relationship is that? Don't you want to know me? Don't you want to know the one who woke you up this morning, the one who blessed you with life, the one who created all this beauty around you? Don't you want to know me? And I think lastly, Satan does not want us to get serious about our Bible. You know, there is a whole force, a whole demonic army set against you. I think sometimes we forget that because we're too busy focused on the people we see. But there is a whole thing happening behind the scenes just to keep you from getting close to God. Satan will do whatever he can to distract you, discourage you, dishearten you, disconnect you. He will do whatever it takes to keep you from knowing God. And so we have to prioritize our time with God. Amen? Now, I think most people would agree that daily Bible study should be a part of a Christian's life. The most, and though most of us agree, the question is, how many really do so? How many really do so? Here's a quick test. Can you name the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles? Can you name them? And can you name the 13th one? You know, that's basic Hebrews 5, right? That's elementary. We should be able to say who they are. Well, you say, no, I'm not going to tell you. It's right there. The same Bible I read. Basic things that every Christian should know. The Ten Commandments. Basic stuff we all should know. You know, these are, these are things that every Christian, this is just elementary things that we should want to know about God. Why did God have the Israelites exodus Egypt? What were the plagues that he used to drive out, to finally convince Pharaoh to let his people go? What was the last one? What was the one that was, a, that was the nail in the coffin for? Every Christian should know that. Basic things, right? Basic things. What's in the Bible? What's not Bible? What's in the Bible? And what's church tradition? These are all the things we need to be able to decide to know what's Bible, what's not Bible. Where is? Where does it say in the Bible God helps those who help himself? What book is that in? You know what I mean? These are things. Where, is it, where does it say God does not like ugly? Where is that? Is it in the Old Testament? Is it in the New Testament? Is it in the book of Maccabees? Is it, I mean, where is it? Is it in the Torah? Is it in the Quran? I mean, where, where is it? 
But we need to know our Bible well enough to be able to say, yeah, that's in there, or whoa, 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 that's not in there. What would Jesus do? What book, what chapter is that? You see, these are things that we take for granted, but that people actually live by as if it was God's ordained word. Now, it sounds like it should be in the Bible, right? Because it's, it's wise, but man's wisdom is not God's wisdom. And we need to know what God's wisdom is. Amen? So let's go through this. We're going to get through a couple of them. We're not going to go through all of them. But why do I need to study my Bible? Well, one, we need to know Jesus. Some of us need to blow the dust off our Bibles and get into the Word of God. Let me encourage you. Throughout your walk with God, if there are four books in the Bible, you should know, frontwards to backwards, it's the Gospels. That is where Jesus lives. Jesus is all through the Bible. Don't get me wrong. There are prophecies about Jesus in the, in the Old Testament from Genesis on down to Revelation. Revelation, not revelations. Right? It's all through the Bible. Okay? Jesus is all through the Bible. But if you want to know Jesus' life, if you want to know his teachings, his miracles, and all these things, park in the Gospels. Make a commitment to read through the Gospels at least once or twice a year. I make sure to go through the Gospels right now, you know, where most of us are doing the, the uh, read through the Bible in a year thing, right? Well, I'm reading the Old Testament and the New Testament together. I'm almost done with Matthew, so it's like, I've got to go into the Gospels. Because the Old Testament is great, but you need to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus because, believe it or not, you can be around him and not know him. Look at what the scripture says. Here in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is he talking about right here? He's talking about Jesus. So Jesus was in the beginning. He was with God from the beginning. Always there. Always around. Never left. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Philip has some, some faith issues. He was doubting. He was like, you know, he has some questions. And then Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? You know, sometimes Christians can act like they don't know Jesus. And Jesus, you know, we, we doubt, we worry, we get anxious. In other words, we're human. You know, you're going to have those, those issues but what I'm talking about is living as if Jesus never, never lived. And, and I'm thinking, you know, Philip is someone who walked with him. He was around him. And Jesus is like, you still don't know me? Even after I've been around you for so long. It is possible to be close to God and still not be close to him. Here Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He said, you diligently study the scriptures. Now say whatever you want about the Pharisees. They knew their Bible. Frontwards and backwards. They knew what the word said, but there was a problem with just knowing it. So you diligently study the scriptures, but you think that by them you possess eternal life. These scriptures testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. See, the very scriptures, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, 
prided themselves in knowing. They didn't allow it to bring them closer to Jesus. Of all, of anyone who had known that Messiah, it should have been them. So all the Bible they knew, they still did not know Jesus. They still were not connected. They still didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And that's the point of being in our Bibles, is to get to know him. It's to be close to him. It's not enough to just come to church and say, well, I'm a disciple. With the title, Jesus wants us to know him. He doesn't want you to just be around him. He wants you to know him. You know, I think, you know, I look at this and I think, man, you know, what, what if I was Philip? Don't you know me, James, even after I've been among you for such a long time? The whole purpose of studying our Bibles is so that we know Jesus. Amen? You know, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 gives us a little direction here. It says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it, as for silver and search for it, as for hidden treasure, then you will understand. And the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. You see, right here, Solomon is telling his son that, look, you will find wisdom, you will find, you will know God if you search for it, if you seek it and you apply it to your heart. You will understand the Bible. You just got to go after it with all your heart. You just got to keep at it because then you'll know. You'll know what pleases the Lord and what doesn't please the Lord. But you got to put the effort into getting to know Jesus. Amen? The second reason is we need to grow spiritually. We need to grow spiritually. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, it says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. It doesn't say go to your minister and have him train you to be godly. It says train yourself. You know, Paul sent Timothy into a very chaotic situation. And he's writing this letter to encourage Timothy. He's saying, look, you got, I'm not going to be there. But you, so you need to train yourself. You know, we're, we're all, when we leave here, we all go into our different situations. Tomorrow, we're going to go to work. We're going to go wherever we go, school, home, wherever we go. We're going to be in a, we're not going to be here. And so in every situation we're in, we have to prepare ourselves to operate in that situation, in that environment as a believer of the Bible. And so Paul's telling Timothy, look, I'm not going to be around. So you need to train yourself to be godly. You have to not rely on everybody else. Now, it's good to have people in your life. We need accountability in our life. We need encouragement. And we need it daily. But growing is our responsibility. It's our responsibility. And we can't fault anybody else if our faith has not grown. Now, we all have our preferences on styles, like in Corinth, in Corinth they had, they, one liked Apollos, they liked how he preached, and one liked Peter and how he led, and some liked Paul, and some liked this one. You know, we all have our preferences. 
But if you don't get to hear your favorite preacher every Sunday, you can't blame that on the reason you're not growing in your faith. Our responsibility to grow is our responsibility to grow. God has given us everything we need. Everything we need. The Holy Spirit, his written word. There's a reason why God gave us a written word. So that we can go back to it and not rely on our memory. I have a hard time remembering people's names. So I thank God he gave me a written word so I can go back to the Bible. And like, oh, what's that you can go back to it. But if you go back to what somebody told you a year ago, I mean, how many of us remember conversations we had a month ago? And so there's a reason that God gave us his written word. It's so that we can constantly go back to it and get to know him and remember what was said. But it's our responsibility to grow. You know, discipleship alone is not going to bring us to maturity. Coming to church alone is not going to bring you to maturity. Prayer alone, as awesome as prayer is, my prayer life has improved since we focused on it. I feel a lot closer to God. My faith is a lot, is a lot stronger just because we focused a lot on prayer. But that alone is not going to lead me to maturity. I need to be in my Bible. Not just so I can preach to you on Sundays, but so that James may not be disqualified for the prize. Because I don't know about you, I'm going to heaven. And I'm hoping to take all y'all with me, but for those of you who don't want to go, I love you, but I'm going to heaven. All right? I have my quiet times, my personal times with Jesus, and I prepare for y'all. But I'm not trying to be disqualified. Because I got my own walk with God. I need to read my Bible for my faith. Just for me, not even for my wife, not even for my kids, for me. Because we want to get to heaven, but I got to train myself to be godly. I got to train myself to be godly. You know, when you think about training, how far are you really willing to go to be your absolute best? Like, if you had the means, if you had the money, would you really, like, how much would you invest on your health? Would you go to the gym? Would you pay for it? Like, what would you really do? How much are you, how far are you willing to go to be your absolute best? You know, there are people who are willing to invest thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on their physical, their physical life. You know, you take James Harrison, for example. James Harrison is a former NFL football player for the New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers. In Harrison's legendary workouts, now, if you, if you YouTube James Harrison's workouts, your jaw will drop to the ground. You, how can someone human, I mean, how can a human do half the things this guy's doing? He pushes a sled almost 2,000 pounds. I mean, it's crazy what this guy can do, right? He reportedly spent $300,000 annually on specialists to keep his 39-year-old body in peak condition. The list of specialists include acupuncturists, a dry needleist, I don't know what that is, three massage therapists, two chiropractors, and a person who does cupping. 
He flies them from all over the world to where he lives to help him get in physical form. While younger players may get by with a personal chef and a quality home gym, Harrison, who's pushing 40, went the extra mile when it comes to taking care of his body. He has spent well over a million dollars investing in his health. Now, physicals, the Bible did say that physical training is of some value. He doesn't play for the NFL anymore. He's retired. What is all that going to do for him now? But the Bible says that godliness has value for all things. So how much more should you and I invest in our relationship with God. If there are people willing to spend millions of dollars just to be their best physically for something that's going to be temporary because at the end of the day, gravity wins. All those muscles and them big shoulders, they're going to sag at one point. I look in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, James, bro, just do, your, just do the best you can, brother. Just, just do the best you can. You know, no matter how many push-ups I do, how many weights I curl, how many bench, I'm like, I look in the mirror, I'm like, bro, you know what, just, you're going to heaven. That's the, that's the most important thing. You're going to heaven, all right? Because, you know, and it doesn't help that my son makes fun of me sometimes, you know. Now, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I lost some weight. But, you know, it wasn't, you know, I sit on the couch and he'll come over and he'll plate my belly like the bongos. I'm like, I'm like, But here's, here's the thing. Physical training is of some value. If you, wanna, if you need to invest in your health, do it. Absolutely, because I think that there's a spiritual connection between how we're doing physically and how we're doing spiritually. You know, at times I look in the mirror and it really would depress me because I'm thinking about what I looked like when I was 25 and all the things I used to do. I'm like, James, you're not 25, bro. You're pushing, you're fucking 46 in two months. Like, stop it, you know? It's like depressing yourself for no reason, right? But godliness, you cannot put a price tag on godliness, on being close to God, on walking with God. You know, when, when, when these people, wealthy people, when they lose their money, they're ready to jump off of a bridge. We went through that, that financial crisis some years ago, People were committing suicide, jumping off of sky, CEOs, jumping off of skyscrapers, committing suicide because all they had was tied into their wealth. See, when you have a godly, when you have a relationship with God, you can be broke as a joke. And you are still the happiest person in the room. Because at the end of the day, you know what? I only got $5 in my pocket, but you know what? I'm going to see Jesus. Or you could be the wealthiest person in the room. Super giving. You could be, and that did, because you understand, you know, this is not going to last. I can't take this with me. And what God has promised that I'm going to get compared to this, there's no competition. There's no comparison. 
So yes, I can give freely because I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be with him. Your hope is in something more valuable and greater than what's temporary. But the only way we really know that is we got to be in the word. We got to get our reassurance from the word. We got to get our confidence from what God promised. I'm going to do this for you. Don't worry about all these things. Don't chase after those. I'm going to give you exactly what you need. Just trust me. Let's get closer. Amen? Amen. We're going to stop here, and then we're going to pick up in two weeks. And why do we need to read our Bibles? One, so we get to know Jesus. And two, because we need to grow spiritually. The next time we get together, we're going to talk about needing direction and how we can depend on God's word to give us direction. To God be the glory.